What's up? What's up, everybody? Well, my name is Shaboos. My real name is Anthony, but everyone calls me Shaboobs. And my name is Kim. Nice to meet you guys. And this is our very first episode of this podcast. The things or I wish I knew. So we're really going to be talking about all the different things we wish we knew in this life. Uh, and this first episode is going to be on Kim and her coming to America, the things she wished she knew before coming to America. Now, the funny thing is, though, I'm American born, so I don't necessarily have that same insight. So this is going to be kind of a learning experience for me. And then I'll ask her some questions on what she thinks people should know before going to her country. So I'm excited. Yeah, thank you, Shavuz. So for whoever don't know, um, I moved to L.A. from Israel about... Two years ago, it was May 2019, and yeah, and I feel like I grew and learned so much, and I'm super excited to share my experience with you guys. Now, what was the reason for the move? So the reason I moved was pretty much, it's crazy to explain it, but my whole life, I always knew that I was going to live in, in America. I just knew it. I just knew that you can't explain that feeling, you know, that mm -hmm. curiosity about the world and the, and the big world and then different people. And, and yeah, and then along the way, of course, I found my love for dancing, you know, in my childhood and everything. And I felt like that was a good way to allow my growth to expand. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I knew that I had that skill and I love doing it. And I, I knew that there is a place in, in, in California that people dance and I wanted to be there. I wanted to go to the big world. So and did you know you wanted to come to America before you knew you wanted to be a dancer? Well, it's hard to say because to say like America, it was more so for me, the image in my mind was just like to expand, to see the big world. And I okay. feel like America is like where everything is going on, everything is happening fast. You have all kinds of people, you know what I'm saying? And right. I just, I was attracted to that. Right, America then, is the world. <laughs> yeah, and the dance came from watching music videos. You right, know what I'm saying? right, Watching right. MTV Bass and seeing these music videos and seeing these, you know, artists like Sierra and Shakira and Beyonce. And I always wanted to be like them. So I was like, okay, I got to go where they are and I got to do what they do. Right, and that <laughs> was when you first came here, that's what you came out here to do, right? Was to pursue dance. And, yeah. and see this whole dance world. Now, what was the, I guess, culture shock when you got here? Because how old were you when you came here? Um, two years ago, 23. Okay. <laughs> 23, I just turned 25. Okay. Yeah. So 23, this was the first time coming to America? Yes, the first time for me as well. Okay, so you get off the plane. What is your first initial reaction? I fell in love with everything. I fell in love first. I the funniest thing, like I told this to, I told this to all my friend. But I was on the Uber on the way to um, home for dancers from the airport, and I saw right, like, right, right. all the way through LA, and you see like Loki the gang members, like people with bandanas, and I was like, wow, oh my god, I'm so amazed. I'm in the best place ever, and I saw this yellow school bus, and I was like, whoa, right. like you know. Right. So I feel like it wasn't like a shock; it was like amazement. Right, so it was like first time seeing it at all. Okay, okay. Uh, for those that don't know, Home for Dancers is for people who are traveling international and they come to stay in LA or North Hollywood to train for dance. It's a home where it's literally made of dancers. You probably have anywhere between two to four dancers a room. Uh, everybody's in the house as a dancer and they're all training at the studios. So mm -hmm. you get to home for dancers and I'm going to assume then that there are other international people there with you, right? 
Yeah. What was the house kind of comprised of? So, uh, well, because I came by myself, I planned this trip alone. I knew that the first thing I need to do. No, real quick though. Uh-huh. You planned this trip. It was just a trip. It wasn't, I'm going, this, this wasn't the move up front or initially, right? It, you were just right. visiting. Yeah, it was just a trip. It was, I booked a flight for a month and I told everybody, I'm going for a month. I'm going to take dance classes. I'm going to train and I'm going to come back to Israel. <laughs> and, you know, deep down, I knew what was up. I just didn't say it. I, I just right. took it for consideration. And I was like, oh, I came, you might fall in love and be, fall in love with the place and the opportunities and stay. And it happened. So I never left. <laughs> One of those that comes and never leaves. Okay. So, uh, so then you came by yourself, you get to the house um, and you, so you don't know anybody in the house. Right. You don't know anybody. Um, and because I came by myself, I felt like I felt comfortable going into a community, you know, going okay. into the dance community, being around people who do what I do and that come here for, you know, uh, similar reasons. Right. Right. And that's exactly what it, 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 gave me you know mm-hmm. that friends to go to class with and people to tell you where the events are and just having that you know friend vibe mm. and uh, for the beginning it's super important right so w- walk us through that beginning then experience for you because i'm sure a lot of other people can relate to this experience and i'm sure a lot of people will be relating to this experience as more people are going to want to come to la to travel and dance mm-hmm. so you get there you don't know anybody in the house um what is the first move then? Well, the first move, I remember I put my stuff down. I remember I didn't buy soap. And I remember I was like sitting on the bed, but I was still excited as hell. It was like, it's four, like it's two bunk beds. Right, right, right. Beds, and I was just sitting there, my suitcase on the floor. And I'm just like, this is it. The adventure begins. Right. You know? So that's the first feeling I remember I had. It was mm-hmm. nobody in the room. I remember it was some people who were doing other stuff around the house and I didn't know anybody. So I was like, I was just keeping to myself at first. And I remember um, I met my first friend that day. The girl who was in the bed in front of me, her name is Clarissa. I hope she's watching this live. I miss you, girl. And um, yeah, she was my first friend. We barely, she, like, we barely could communicate like, through English, but we right. still became super close. And right. that's like my first experience. Like Home for Dancers, Clarissa. Beautiful. <laughs> okay. So then what else next? And then the next thing was, um, I remember I just uh, looked on the studios and the dance studios and which classes and what's going on and what's around me. And then the first thing, like what, what my main focus was just dance class, dance class, okay. dance class. Because remember in the beginning, I still kind of like wasn't sure if I want to stay. I, I still was like right. kind of like a tourist. Right. And the whole purpose in the beginning was to dance, was to train, right? Exactly, it was, you're better. coming out here, like, you know, if for anyone that's a dancer, the kind of major areas is New York and LA. So most often you get a lot of people coming, traveling from all around the world to come train at these studios. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was your first. So which studio was the first one you went to? Um, so the studio is funny cause I can't remember the exact name, but remember there was Debbie, Debbie Reynolds. Yes, and Debbie then Reynolds. after that there was something like a uh, new, that was sort of like, they called it um, the new Debbie Reynolds. It's like, I think it's in Burbank. Well, I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was, it was, um, yeah. So we lost the Debbie Reynolds studio. Just uh, talk to the mic or pull the mic over. You're going to talk. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we lost the Debbie Reynolds studio uh, a couple of years ago. And then as they were trying to continue running it, I think they were running it at Star West Studios over in Burbank. But I don't think that is 
the case anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now since we, the pandemic, we've lost a couple more studios. But um, okay, so you went to Debbie Reynolds at the time when it was training over there. So who was your first class? And my first class was a guy named Miguel. And his name is Miguel Antonio. Antonio, okay. And I, shout I, out Miguel Antonio. Shout out to Miguel. I, Miguel, I, if you watch this video, I, you literally a part of the main reason I decided to stay. It was the first class. Wow. I came, yes. The way he was teaching, the way he was talking, just the vibes, you know? And it was just, that was it. That was it. Okay. That was literally, as soon as I took that class and I felt what I felt, it was the first time in my life I felt like, Kim, you at the right time, Put, at mm-hmm. the right place. Right. It felt like home in exactly. a way. Exactly. It felt right. like yep. this is where you need to be. Yeah. Every dancer going to have that part of the journey once they uh, they travel from their from wherever they're dancing at and they don't have enough dance and you come to a place like this. Yeah. It definitely feels like home. Um, so, okay. So then... Give us a little bit more about that first week. Was there anything that was surprising or shocking? Or I guess in that first week, was there anything that you wish you knew, you know, prior to getting there? Um, okay, so to be honest, the first thing I would say that I, that I wish I knew, that I learned, is the importance of open mind. And I'll tell you why. When I grew up, like at least in my city, it was very much like a small place and it's very much like one way of living. You know, it's one religion, one way of thinking. It's super small, a little primitive too. And I just feel feel like when you come to a different place, to a different country, and you just realize that it's it's so important to open your mind so you don't get overwhelmed. Like mm. if you see yourself as a person that belongs to a certain country or a certain religion, it's like a limitation that you put on yourself. So you don't want to see yourself that because that's all you're going to see is people who are from different countries. But when you see yourself as, you know, the universe, mm-hmm. then everybody is like something that shows you who you are. Like look at this individual and how they express themselves. It tells right. me about me. You know, this is what I am. You know, so opening the mind and, and being able to accept the, the stuff that are so different than how you grew up. You know, it's different personalities, it's right. different mentalities. Now, was different- any of that startling contrast? Was What was the moment that was like, oh, this is very different uh, or this was a little unexpected? It was the, fa- the, the fact that I felt, um, I felt overwhelmed because I felt like the people in America, like Americans were different than Israelis and how I grew up. Right. And it was like, wow, like these people are different. Like, am I ever going to be able to get a, to a deep connection with a person well, here? What was that difference? What did you feel initially was that difference? It's like, it's the fact that I felt in the beginning, like some of the conversations were shallow. Like I didn't have okay. much to talk about with the people around me. I felt like it didn't get too deep in, in whatever it was about. It was kind of like above the surface. Mm. And I felt like there was kind of depth that I felt like I was missing. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, Actually, this is what everybody say. This is like a, a, um, a thing that people say that, you know, that Americans and Israelis are different in a way that there is more depth. But it's, again, Israelis who are, grew up in Israel, that's how they feel, of course, because they're Israelis. But I felt like to make my experience here better and to, to make it more for me to feel good, I had to open up the mind and tell myself I can't. Yes, I can find things in, in people around me that I feel relate to, even though we're so different. I can still connect. Like there's, right. it might seem like we're different, but we are. We're the same. We come from the right. same place. You know, we're all human beings. We all have the same things, just in different ways. Yeah. Um. Interesting. So, was there anything that caught you off guard in 
dealing with anybody out here. Mind you, I will say coming to the dance world and dance community is slightly different than visiting America and then kind of getting into the suburbs or going to college. It is a little bit of a different route with Mm -hmm. the group of people that you get because in dance, you kind of have, I always say the dance world is like a large community college. You've got 19 year old, you've got younger than that, but on average 19 to like 40 year olds, many of them still acting like they're in high school or college. And so sometimes I feel like I've had that same issue where it was like, I don't have much to talk about aside from dance. Mm -hmm. Um, But for sure, I've definitely, you find which people are willing to have the deeper conversation or think beyond yeah. Beyond dance. Right, right, right. It was it was the loneliness I felt. At first mm. I felt lonely. I felt I had a little feeling of like I kind of feel lonely and I remember one time I checked how far my family is and it was like thirteen thousand miles and I was I was on a bed and I got so scared. But that's when I realized, right. okay, Kim, look, this is your home. Mm. You know, like every place in the world is your home. Every place, every person can be your home. Yeah. Everything, you know what I'm saying? It's just opening yourself to it, like from those limitations. I feel like that's the loneliness it is what triggered it. The loneliness triggered you to be more open-minded. Yeah, to understand the importance of how, you know, to see everybody wow. around you. That's actually a very powerful way to uh, to flip that because usually I feel like most people would uh, get lonely and then kind of fall into a negative cycle of some sort to cope with the loneliness. So that's actually very powerful to to be triggered in the other way, I guess. Yeah, and that's everything in life. You know, whatever it is you feel outside, you got to look inside to figure it out. You got to look inside. What is it that I need to adjust so that I can feel better? Okay. So let's get a little bit further now from this trip that you got here. So after you come out of here, you start training. Um, what's outside of the dance classes, though? I, You and I met doing a performance. Mm-hmm. We were doing, I think it was Club Jete. Yeah. And now shout out to Nico. Nieko, Nieko, oh, horrible yeah, Nieko. <laughs> I, I can't never pronounce it properly, but he's always the homie. Um, and I actually love that performance because that was probably one of my last live performances. He was probably one of the few people to ask me to uh, dance still. So that was you and I met mm-hmm. there performing. Um, but how long was that into your trip? Because we met pretty early on when you, we met in the summertime. I think yeah. that performance was like July and you moved yeah, in so, May. Yeah, I moved in May. So everything, everything was happening pretty fast for me. Like wow. I came here and I boomed to the dance classes, boom, going to the events. And then started, and, and then started performing. Exactly. And then it's just like, boom, you know? Wow. Okay. Yeah. The, once you're kind of in the dance community, um, you can get involved in things pretty quickly. So then what was that experience for you? That's your first, that was your first mm-hmm. performance then in LA? Um, that Club Jeté was, no, that was my second one. Okay. That was the second one. Because I did another one with another, with a choreographer from France. Gotcha. Medi. Hey. And um, yeah. So then what was the experience? Um, everything, as far as the dance, I feel like that's what made me stay too. Because I came for a month and when people ask me like, yo, how long are you going to be here for? And I would say, I leave next month. And they say, oh, I wanted to book you for this gig or I thought you would be available in, you know, you know, August or whatever, whatever. And I was like, whoa, I got to stay. So I feel like everything in the dance was moving. But at the same time, it's like also being realistic and making sure that you are able to 
do and then going through going to the auditions and going to agencies and, and trying to have that process and all, all so, of that. So then that's good to touch on. So then you get here, you jump into that scene. Um, do you go audition for an agency? Yeah, I went in the very beginning and uh, I remember it was like two agencies and when they heard that I was not from here and then they go like, okay, well, we want to work with you. And I say like, okay, look, I got to go through this process of like, you know, moving here, like, you know, in, in that area. Then it was like, whoa, because they got to get a lawyer and all that stuff. Right, and it was right. Because like, you got to, you, know, you have to get a visa then in order to work here, correct? Yeah. Right, right. And then I was like, okay, cool. So... You know, if that doesn't work, something 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 else gotta work. Okay, you know so wait, you you get in talks with the agency, and that basically they fall through once they realize you don't live here, or you don't have um, a social security card. Yeah, and it was almost the same answer in like I heard the same answer in so many different ways. Like, yo, we want to work with you, we want to do this, but when you have this thing situated, then let us know. Yeah, 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 you know, nobody <laughs> want to go through that thing, and it's understandable. It was at the time. But you know what it is? You don't give up. You still push through and you, you still make a way when there is no way, you know? Okay. So then I love that. I love everyone here that she didn't get the agency that she wanted and she's still here doing things. So let it be known that you don't necessarily need the agent. They're great. And I love my agents. Thanks for mm -hmm. never dropping me. But... <laughs> you know, the work falls on you, like you have to put in the effort. So then what is your next move then? So you, you can't get an agent. So then what do you do about that? So I feel like that's where it kind of like made me look, okay, I honestly didn't even spend too much time about like, what do I even do? I just kept figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And after those experiences, when I felt like, okay, I, I can't get an agent right now, that's not an option. What can I do? So my next option, my next way was like okay i gotta invest in my content i have to continue putting myself out there on on my social media i gotta continue networking and whatever i could if it's on you know certain websites where you find jobs and it can help you network and then you just go it's like a it's like a snowball they just go right. bigger and bigger and you learn that you don't need to wait on somebody to give you an opportunity you just gotta initiate 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 and decide like decide what you want decide how you're gonna do it and how you see yourself and then even if things don't go that way and even if it doesn't seem like it's working still like lock eyes in that vision and it's gonna manifest itself out just continue going right so but the vision though for you changed or did you have the clear vision because you know the, you came here you decided to stay longer tried to get an agent that couldn't get that so how do you keep the vision from like not falling apart so to explain that i'll have to say my vision is not something that is super detailed and specific Okay. It's more so a feeling that I know that I'm feeling. Gotcha. You know, so intuition. Yeah, it's intuition. It's what I'm excited about. And those things that I'm excited about, that's what I'm pursuing. Just taking action in the right way. So, And, and that's my whole life been. I never aimed to something specific. Like I want to be a dancer. I want to be in this. I, want, I always Im, Im, imagined a feeling, an experience that I can share with other people. A right. feeling that I can give other people. And then it's just in different ways that I'm doing it. You know, And all of those ways make me happy. So I feel like... Locking eyes on that vision is like, and, and that's why it's so easy to have faith because you don't have a detailed, specific vision of like, it's it got to be that way. 
no, even if it doesn't go the way I might think it should go, I still can find something to be excited about. I still can right. be excited about that project. I can come up with that idea. I can still like, there's, there's always a way. Mm-hmm. And when it doesn't go your way though. And you just adjust yourself. So you'll be peaceful. Even if you feel so upset and you feel like, yo, if nothing goes my way, you got to be peaceful about you feeling that way. That's a hard, that's a hard thing to do. You just got to step out of it and be aware and connect to that awareness and, you know, just observe yourself and be like, okay, this experience, it's not me. What, hap- what happened, that's not the reality, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not what you see. Everything that you see is, is so temporary and it's going to change in time and whatever is yours now is going to be a- another person tomorrow. But what's really eternal is your awareness. So you can always disconnect from whatever is happening and be like, okay, anything that attracted all of my good experiences is still here, forever going to be here. So I can attract more. Right. It's just me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've, okay, so you've already felt this way prior to getting here. Is there anything that kind of challenged your, you know, mental toughness at all being out here pursuing this? Um. Yeah. Yes, it's 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 the whole um, just knowing that you're by yourself. You don't have uh, any support from a person. If you can't call anybody, if you're not, you know, what right. I'm saying it's just you. So you gotta have your own back. Mm. You know. So I feel like that's what it was like having to, you know, grind and still like, you know, making a living and doing everything even against all odds. It's like it teaches you like, yo, nothing can stop me. It's all in my head. Nothing can stop me. You know. That's an important lesson for everyone to remember. You always just kind of keep got to keep trucking forward. So, so tell us though, how and when you started to create then your own agency. Mm-hmm. Get into that. How did that come about? So it was um, during the first lockdown of quarantine, and that's when I started my agency. But it started before that. It was just not official because right. I would do a lot of gigs, a lot of like dance gigs or modeling gigs. And then um, people from the production would reach out to me and be like, hey, do you have girls like you who look cute and they can dance and da 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 So I would just like bring my friends, you know, and I would just book my girls. And, and then at some point it started being like, you know, and then my job shut down and stuff like stopped working and, mm. you know. So, so this is also little less than a year then because you said this is the beginning of quarantine. Yeah. And you got here like May of 2019. Okay, so within a year... You basically decide you're going to stay here, go through two agencies that both drop the ball, and then then make your own agency. Yeah. That's that's called making moves. Okay. <laughs> and so, tell uh, was there any hardships about that in the beginning, or at the first part it was just kind of a simple transition because it was just you and your girls. Um, it was more so on the back back end side of mm. it, just making sure that the whole system runs and having the people work in the office and having a person in charge of this and a person in the charge of The business side that. of things. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. and just like seeing, and then it, it taught me a lot about myself too, just simply having a business and understanding branding and to understand that you yourself is a walking brand, a brand, an idea. Right. You know, and it's and, and life is like, let's say you're a brand, like how are you going to make the most out of it? Like what's good about you? How are you going to showcase to others? Like all the things that you love about yourself, you know, it's, it's about like, and then it gives you, because if I do this for my business, it's more so the product is cool, mm-hmm. but it's how I brand it. It's how I present right. it. It's how right. I feel about it. And I was like, the same approach that I take for my business, I can approach myself. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's nothing personal. I can see myself as a as a tool. How do I make the most out of this body, out of this mind, mm-hmm. out of this individual and how she looks? Like, how do I make the most out of this little package? Mm-hmm. You know? So, but what were, what are some of the challenges that you had to deal with in, in dealing with either talent or the, or other people that are booking? Has there any, been mm-hmm. any, I don't want to call anybody out, but I'm one of more, I want to understand what are difficult or challenging experiences so that others can understand what it is that they're walking into. Well, as far as the, it it relates a lot to the industry in general too. But what I came across that I kind of felt it was sometimes on the, on certain jobs, I would feel a little like, like objectifying of women. Right, right. You know, I would come across that. Yeah. And, and, but at the same time, it's, 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 it's how you take things too. You mm-hmm. know, like I didn't give it too much energy or like argue with people. It's just like observing and knowing how to move next. So then what is your response on set? Like, let's say you get on set and they're asking, um, I, I'm going to assume something like the the outfit is a little bit more revealing than per se you were told at the beginning. Do you just bite the bullet and do it? No, I would say I talk. Okay, like I talk. It was a it was one time that the the director was just giving like funny direct directions, and I just had to like tell him, you know. So you talk whenever you talk, and they respect you because you you, right? You know, and then and then in the first place, it's certain jobs that you wouldn't take just because your intuition told you like. Mm-mm. Something fell off. So you don't have to take any job. It's mostly the jobs you say no to that define your value, you know? And um, yeah. If I had a sound effect, I would drop a bomb on that one right there. <laughs> I don't know if y'all caught that. The jobs you say no to also help define. I'm not, that's, that's very true. And I think, a lot of, I think a lot of creatives learn the hard way about saying no to jobs. Mm-hmm. You usually kind of, take the job to realize you don't want to take that job ever again. Um, So that's powerful. I I really do hope more people can hear that part right there. If you, if your intuition tells you not to take the job and I I mean that, that real gut feeling, not the maybe it doesn't pay well or this or that. If it tells you not to take the job or you get there and you realize something's off, you can say no and walk away. Like as much as there's, um, people in this industry who, you know, have power, want a black ball, this or that. Truth of the matter is, as long as you keep doing your thing and don't give up and treat people well, you'll still get ahead. Like regardless of people in power and, and jerks out there, they're going to be there. But as long as you keep pushing forward and you're not a dick, it you're going to go further. So that's very powerful. Um, I wish I had heard that when I was 23. <laughs> Right, right. I wish somebody <laughs> had said, yo, it's okay to say no to certain things. Cause you know, when you was young and you're hustling, you you just take anything you can get and you'll, you'll take so many things. And sometimes that's the gift and curse of pursuing, you know, the passion or the dream is that there's so many things that you'll have to do just to kind of keep going and so many random dance jobs or just things in between. But it's very powerful to say that you can say no. And the truth of the matter is, is that you can always look. There are other opportunities there. Like you can find another opportunity. Um, and if it's not necessarily there in front of you, you got to go create your own. 
Right, so true. And I feel like this is one of the main things I learned. Like, you have to create your own path. Right. You have to, you know, especially like, I feel like for me, I didn't have anybody to ask, well, how did you do this? Because, you know what right. I'm saying? Especially from where you're coming from, that's not a large entertainment population over there. Not right. too many people are in, in the entertainment business outside of these large cities. So you're the only person pursuing entertainment in your family. What was their response or how did they respond to you deciding to be here and do this? Because I'm certain this is not the norm. Yeah, well, my family, like I mentioned, they thought that I'm only going to come here for one month. And after it was after five days, I called my dad and I was like, oh, OK, I'm not coming back, <laughs> but I will buy you a house. You okay, well, that's a nice little trade-off, I guess. <laughs> yeah, my dad was like, my dad actually is super chill. He's like, yeah, you know, we're going to always be here, follow your dreams, chase your dreams, and do what you got to do. Like, we're not going anywhere. Mm. My mom, on the other hand, you know, my mom is a Filipino mom, and they're overprotective. Mm. She goes like, no, hell no, you're coming back home. We need you here. Come stay with me, you know what I'm saying? But mm. she, after, after a while, of course, she realized, like, it is what it is. Right. You know, she was protective at first, but then it's like, you know, what, what can you do, really? Right. So do they have any kind of opinion towards the work or dancing that you, or any of, like, those kind of music mm -hmm. videos or jobs that come up? Um, do they have any kind of opinion, or do we just not show them? Well, they, for my dad, everything I do is amazing. Everything I do, he just say, wow, amazing. You I know? love it. It was one music video that I had a thong on that he had a, a little problem with. <laughs> But yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's fair. It's fair. It is what it is. That's fair. But I, you gotta, you gotta love the support of dad. I'm yeah. not gonna lie. It's, and it's, like, it's again, you know, how you knew in LA, and you gotta take certain jobs to know what to say no to. You feel me? You gotta go true. to that stage. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, no. In general, they're super, super supportive, especially my dad. He is literally like the best. Mm, I love that. Is there? I do, because I, I'm relating to myself with my mom. I have, a, like, unconditional love and support with my mom. I've always found, though, for me, the hardship of being the only person in my family trying to pursue entertainment is that it's not anyone to really discuss what the path is. Like, I don't really get to sit down and ask them, what do they think of this or that? Because the they have no idea. They're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I'm usually like, oh, that's great, mijo. Or, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so it's like I, I, I love that support. That's, it's, I wouldn't trade that. It's, I've, I've found it difficult at times where it's like feeling a little lonely. It's like, man, I really don't know what to do right now. And no one in my family is pursuing this. Mm -hmm. Like they have advice, but more so on business and life, n none of them are really geared to like, say what to do in pursuit of this mm -hmm. so have you ever had any struggles over there or you just kind of understood where everyone's place is well i feel like um this this is the beautiful thing that makes you look at your life mm -hmm. for example you can grow up and like not have that support for example that a child need and not right. having a person to go to if and then at first you, you said to yourself, like, why? Why is it like that? And then later on in life, for example, right now, I don't, my parents don't know half of the stuff I'm doing. Right. They just there. I never had a need to tell them. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So now I don't, I still don't have the need, but look, I'm super independent and, mm -hmm. and I, I trust my own judgment. I have super faith in my intuition because I spent so many years with only that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like this, this is so, so much 
beauty in everything that can sometimes be painful. Right. So right, like right. right now, I'm I'm sort of like on the same boat with you. Like I don't tell them too much. They don't ask too much. They they just know that I'm that I'm popping. <laughs> <laughs> they know that we're here. We're making moves, and exactly. they support it. Well, mm-hmm. much love to them. Okay, so I want to know. What else do you wish you knew when you came out here? What about the dating scene or any that you've had to deal with? Well, dating scene, honestly, um, I haven't been focused on that since I came here. I never really really was like, I'm going to find a boyfriend. Like, really, actually, that the way, like, you know, I'm focused on other stuff. But um, I feel like something super important that I feel like I wish I knew and, and I learned is that people are what matters the most. People are what matters the most. And mm-hmm. sometimes as a dancer, you come, you go to auditions first, you go to the dance scene and everything, and you feel like you have to be the nicest you can be to the choreographer. You got to be the right, nicest you right, can be right. to the casting people, to the people right. auditioning you. But no, it's the people in that room. It's the other dancers that they matter the most because the energy you're going to give them, which they really need in that moment, the same way you need it, they're going to grow. You can never know two years from now, a year from now, like everybody growing, everybody has got in them the same way that you have got in you so i feel like the people are what matters the most it's the people, people that even you wouldn't even expect or right. think but it's the people it's not the opportunity or whatever seems so far right. away it's what's right here right and it's also to that point it's not just the one person that's in charge it's not the one person the director or the choreographer it's as you said it's everyone because mm-hmm. once you give that good energy out everyone's going to notice Everyone catches on and people like good energy. People want to be around good energy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're on set, you're going to know who the person, who's the genuine person. People know who the one sucking up to whoever is in charge is and people know who's going to play their role. But if you can give genuine support, I totally agree. If you give genuine support and give good energy to everyone around, they're going to be more inclined to want to give that back and support you down the road. Mm -hmm. Like I have a big thing about trying to give high fives to people, whether I'm teaching a dance class or on a set somewhere giving high fives, because I know you still do it sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) I'll sometimes be filming in class and I'll just tell them right before, (laughs) right before they perform. But to the point that's, I, for me, that was one of the things that I think helped propel me being known at all in the dance world. Because when I came to the dance world, I really wasn't talented. You got here and within two years was kind of doing things. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was definitely not that case. I was, I was a horrible dancer. I had uh, no training for a lot of time. Like I didn't start training until 19, started going to the scene, uh, taking classes uh, around 19 and 20, didn't get an agency for at least two years, two, three years, and cut from a lot of teams. So I was a very slow process, but it was it was the community and always being that support. I was always willing to help. I would uh, trade off dance classes for video. Before we all had professional videographers, I would just you know, stand there in the corner and hold the camera. Mm-hmm. It was a trade-off. I would do that, but that level of support really was what I fell in love with and I think what helped me grow in the whole scene because giving the high five saying what's up that's what people started to know who I was for because I I definitely wasn't being known as like the dope dancer at least not for like five six years I was the guy that was just 
everywhere but i loved it so much that i was always willing to videotape it for free let you see it for free i would i would videotape a show and i would go find the people who performed and let them watch their performance and this is before youtube was popping or before we did live streaming mm -hmm. uh, before people had fast internet modems because i was uploading shows at a starbucks and it would take about six hours just to get one three-minute performance up. So to show it back then to the people was like a major thing. And I would always try to give that support. So I definitely agree with you. I think that if you invest in the people around you in the environment, you're going to get a lot more out of it than just trying to find the one person who is in control and be like, oh, yeah, let me go. Let me go meet them. Right. The the people on set with you are just as important. I've said that a hundred times to people in classes. You give high fives because the people around you are the ones who stick in this with you. And when you're all going to the next phase, that's your that's your tribe. Right. And I feel like it's so beautiful that you decided to, you know, transform it in that way because I feel like everything is what you make of it. You come to L.A., you see a, a dance community, and a lot of people um, would feel like, yo, it's super, like, you know, about uh, image or, you know what I'm saying, or who's right. the dopest dancer, but you decided to look at these people and see them for what they are, people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People is what create the vibe. People right. are what's who, who right. are putting the work. We're attracted to their energy, their creativity, to the individual itself. They're not just the thing. Right, and notice how you use that as an inner work as well. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it's like I have to find... It's not just, yeah, I'm going to give good energy, but where does that come from? It's come from you being able to see the good in everybody. Right. It's a decision. You know what I'm saying? Like, I decide, I choose to see the best in everybody so you can feel comfortable to give them the high fives. Right. I got to feel comfortable to give you a certain energy, but it's the inner work. I got to find it in you. Right, right. You so, got to be able to give that energy out uh, rather than hold it in or be tight. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you looking in is, is super dope. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But also let that be the lesson of the people who are scared like you find the right community, the right group of people, you won't need to be scared. The right environment, you shouldn't feel afraid. If anything, if you're in the right environment, the fear should be excitement at the same time. Like if you're in the right place, you can feel afraid that you don't know what you're doing or what's going on, but you feel either supported, that you can figure it out, that you enjoy that process and that part of the fear because you know being teachers in LA that we see a lot of people who want to get into dance or pursue dance who love dance but they have a huge fear mm -hmm. um and that's always the thing it's like you it's okay to be afraid but you got to take action and just go show support give somebody a high five it's right. definitely helpful so the question then for you for dancers who want to come here especially from Israel what is some things you want to let them know prior to coming here? Okay, so I would want them to know that you don't think your way through it, you feel your way through it. So it's it's so easy to get into the mind and say, okay, how am I going to make this work? What What is my next gig is going to be? How am I going to do this? Or how am I going to get there? And the more you think about it, the more easy it is to have fear. But when you look for a feeling, it's all you have to do is take care of that feeling. It's like, you know, I think I told you this before, like we don't have to think in order to make our heart beat. We don't have to think to make the stars shine, but we still do it 
We don't need to know how to how to, how we doing it, but we're still doing it. So you don't know how everything in your life is gonna work out. Right. You just gotta feel. You gotta feel. You gotta know that it's happening to you. You know, you're a dancer. There's a reason that God gave you that passion and that skill. It's like a seed, and your DNA tells you this is how you're gonna grow in the best way. That you have natural talents. You have natural interests. So have faith in them and, and pursue it. You know, don't listen to that fear. Mm-hmm. And it's just like feel your way through it. Listen to that inner intuition always. Always come back to that inner intuition when everybody tell you how you gonna make it happen or like there's no chance for you or other people don't do it or usually and even as a, even as a dancer you, it's gonna seem like there's one path of, of going coming here and finding an agent and doing all of these things but there's not one way of doing things. You have your special path that nobody can can show you how to do it. Only you and it's already there. You just gotta reveal it. It's through that feeling. So I feel like that's the main, main, main thing I've learned here. Trust that feeling. Don't, don't think your way to it. Trust the intuition. Well, that's a powerful thing. I will add to that because that's something I've thought about a lot lately. And I think for me, for a guy who tends to feel like he's a bit more logical or practical, there'll be oftentimes that I think I'll ignore intuition, but when I'm in deep thought, there's plenty, the two things I think about, about successful people is that the two successful types that I've seen that are the ones that do have some kind of detailed vision plan or goal or whether or not it's detailed, they have one and that they know they're going towards it. Uh, and then the other side of the coin are the people who feel things out. They don't have the detailed plan. They don't have the vision. They just know what feels good and what you're in tune to. And I find those are the two that seem to come out. It's not just one, one or the other. It doesn't have to be that there's different ways for different people. Some people are, have to have a vision, and through the vision, they can do all things. Other people can trust in the faith and make the steps, even though they may not have the vision. So I, I want to uh, you know, touch on that as well. Cause I agree to that. I think that's mm-hmm. something cause it's something I don't necessarily always do. I, I tend to think I will, uh, out think myself out of my intuition. And then, you know, the moment later I've been like, ah, I should have listened mm-hmm. to that. I should have, ah, I knew it. So I, I know that happens for me often, but I, I think that for sure for people who are successful in life, you are either have a vision that you know you want something to work towards and you're working towards that. And then the other side of the people are very in tune to themselves and the things that they do are the things that make them feel good. And doing that, whatever makes you feel good, gives you the energy to create, produce, whatever you want to do. Right. And there's and there's different like intentions behind the, the term of feeling good, you know, because yeah. it's what is your motive? What is your, what is your right. intention? Right. Because the person who has the vision and has the plan pursuing that is what makes them feel good. Right. Yeah. You see, and another person say, OK, I know what I need to do. I have the plan right here. But what makes me feel good is to feel that I'm doing a progress in this area. Yes. You know? so it's, and another person can. Like, uh, it's not in a way that is like, you know, it feels good to eat a cake every day, so I'm going to do it. No, it feels good because you know it's good for you. It feels good because you know that inner being, that this is what you you really genuinely want to do. Right. Yeah, but the cake thing, that's a little different because that's that's getting into the debate of... uh, instant gratification versus delayed yeah, it's gratification. Like what is your intention to, right, right. to feel good? Like, right. you know? If you want to take the selfish pleasure up front versus the uh, pride of 
having a good diet. <laughs> exactly. It's like who you're going to serve. You serve the self or you right. serve this body or you right. serve like. You're serving your ego or you're serving your soul. Right. Even though I get it, eating cake every day is definitely sound like a nice plan. Oh, I don't mind it. <laughs> I don't mind it. Give me a good yellow cake with some chocolate frosting. However, at this age, it's not the same. I've, I eat like half a donut. I have to go 45 minutes on a treadmill and I hate treadmills. I'm not a runner. <laughs> um, I want to ask another thing. Although I, I feel like that was one of the best points to end on with telling people what you wish they knew before, uh, before coming to. We can go over one more before we finish. Yeah. What else do you think? Um, I would say um, I want to ask you something. Okay. As a person that came from you, you was born in America. Mm -hmm. And then for you to come here and, and, you know, come to L.A. and be a dancer and then allowing yourself to open up and to other realms, you know, having a, a video equipment and investing in yourself in that way. Like what made you, you know, do that, you know, cause you come here and you say, okay, I'm going to dance. Mm -hmm. And then you actually notice, Oh, I can also do this, this and that. But what made you actually, you know, want to expand and get a camera and get this equipment and ha and serving people in that way too. Um, it's uh, an interesting thing because it's kind of like one of those that didn't necessarily have that intention at first. Mm -hmm. I remember being a kid uh, watching music videos or behind the scenes of music videos. And I remember, I think I was watching one with Diddy and he was talking about being on set with, uh, with Notorious B.I.G. And he was looking at all the producers and he noticed all the people behind set making so much money. And I was like, okay, if I'm not going to be a dancer in front of the camera, I want to be behind the camera. Mm -hmm. So I always knew that I wanted to be in entertainment one way or another. Dance was for sure the passion and the thing that I wanted to do. That was the ultimate goal was to be a performing dancer, choreographer, and a traveling teacher. I got into video. Well, video was the thing on the side that, again, that... I used to help me get into dance class. Originally, mm -hmm. video was nothing more than me taking my camera that my mom had, going to events and recording it, and wanting to share it. It really was nothing else. I didn't really think about filmmaking or anything then, because as much as I enjoyed video and all of it, I was so like enthralled by dance and the dance community that mm -hmm. all I wanted to do was dance. Mm -hmm. So I only used video as a means to get my dance training. I was like, let me uh, offer this because YouTube was especially new at the time. And there was probably one or two channels that had dance on it. So I was one of the people to help give everyone stuff because no one really had camcorders at the time mm -hmm. filming classes. And then when I moved to North Hollywood, it became the thing for myself and my friends because truthfully, I just didn't have money to go get a videographer. Mm -hmm. And so at some point I was still using my mom's video camera. I think I downloaded, uh, 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 what is it like a broke version, not a broke version, but like a cracked version of final cut pro started learning editing and final cut pro then realized that everybody was using premiere pro. So I went to premiere pro. And so it was really just like, doing it for myself. I really learned it because I couldn't afford to get somebody else to do it. So I was like, okay, um, why don't I do it myself? Mm -hmm. Let me get my friends. We're dancing all the time. So right. I can, I can choreograph and teach them and I don't necessarily have to be in it. I can record it or do this. Um, I mean, at the time I did want to be in it for, for quite a while. So sometimes I would have to try to find somebody else to, to trade off it. But for the most part, it was just that. And then 
I went through a breakup that I stopped going. I was dating a dancer, so I stopped going to studios to mm-hmm. train, which was foolish on my end. Um, but people started asking me for class videos. And so it kind of just took over as the thing to do. And then I found that the only time I was ever in a dance studio was to film everybody else's dance classes. I wasn't dancing anymore. I was filming it. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just took over from there. So it evolved the the vision because originally, yes, wanted to dance. My original plan was I'm going to be dancer, choreographer, uh, instructor, and then transition that into film somehow, some way. And then that let that be the path. And then when I stopped dancing, video took over. And there's so many components to learn that I just spent so much of my time just watching and learning, mm-hmm. f- trying to get equipment, which thing is to use, which website, which app, and then just spent most of my time on that. But it really evolved it. Like at this point, I'm okay to say that I, I would love to get into narrative storytelling, uh, broadcasting, actual productions and other things. So the beauty is the vision has expanded into a lot of different other things. But it definitely yeah, it started off as I just wanted to pursue dance. And I knew that being out here was the place to be. And it's actually a reason I never left L.A. Because even after my breakup, mm-hmm. I went to my mom's house for like, a year and I was like I can't be here I'm not sure I can get a job and live here but what am I going to do here what am even if I don't dance I'm a dancer at heart what am I going to do here work a regular job I'd go crazy so I was like I have to be in LA so I kind of understand in a way why you want to be in America my always thought was to be in LA Mm -hmm. like the voice in my head says you have to be here your opportunities are here your network is here your community is here Mm -hmm. um you know the work is here. Not to say that it's not anywhere else, but it's always been that like LA is your place. And right. I love LA. Like if I can afford to live here till retirement, I would love to do so. You can. Absolutely. You can. It's You're getting pricey. Doing it. Absolutely. Well, yes, but these prices be going up faster than our paychecks go up. And people and get and people get upset about our my rates. <laughs> <laughs> well, they won't have to deal with it. You right, the saying? prices go up. What can I say? Right. But that's very true, Shabuz. I fully agree with you. And I feel like saying like a lot of us say, "I'm a dancer. I'm this." But first of all, this is also a limitation you set up on yourself because right. you, you can be a dancer for it, and it can it can lead you to so. Now, many here's things. the crazy thing, though. I was okay with that limitation because it still wasn't a limit to me. Mm-hmm. In my mind. It was like that was kind of defining things. I'm a dancer who can do all of this other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I had, it, for whatever reason, it didn't seem like a fear to me to say I'm a dancer, so I can say I'm a choreographer, a teacher, a screenwriter, uh, a producer, an editor, a videographer. But when I wasn't dancing, I felt almost insecure to say I wasn't. I was any of the other things, even though I was still putting in practice. Yeah. But I, yeah, it's. I agree with you. But yeah. Um, yeah, and I feel like that's a beautiful thing to finish off with, like yeah. knowing that we have no limitations and Absolutely. before you are anything, you are, you know, I'm a dancer, I'm, I'm a whatever, whatever, first you are, and that's what you will always be. Mm-hmm. So from there, you're going to grow. But I appreciate you guys so much for staying with us and watching us. Thank you guys for watching the live video that is not working anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Shabu, so much. Thank you. You have anything Preci- you want to say? No, I just appreciate uh, the opportunity. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you so much. Later.